0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from a bee farmer in southeastern Manitoba. Also, we'll chat with the CEO of the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity. Up first in today's country comment, Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association Executive Director Duncan Morrison will stop by to talk about last week's conservation trust announcement. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Last week, it was announced that the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association would be receiving funding for three projects under the province's Conservation Trust. I got the details from Executive Director Duncan Morrison.
1: We are really pleased to uh, that uh, Minister uh, Blaine Peterson from Manitoba Agriculture Resource Development. Uh, and the province of Manitoba's Conservation Trust uh, officially announced three uh, MFGA projects, and we're just thrilled about them. Our projects are really quite producer focused, which is what we do, we're a producer led group, and uh, we think that uh, some of the, the projects that we approved, all three of the projects we were approved on, are just going to uh, bear um, great results for uh, for producers.
0: Tell us a little bit about each of the projects. Yeah, for sure. Well, the
1: first one um, that we put in for was uh, through this, is the soil health. Uh, category of the Conservation Trust. The Conservation Trust has a, a number of different categories, um, all centering around key conservation aspects. Soil Health is kind of cool because, uh, as you well know or may be aware, Manitoba forage grasslands Grassland is very keen on regenerative agriculture. Uh, some of our board members are leading kind of the spearhead of uh, regenerative ag with others in the province. Um, so we're really excited about the Soil Health. It's a cover crop uh, uh, project that we're delivering with four uh, three of the three of the watersheds in Western Manitoba Central Assiniboine, Assiniboine West, and Souris River, so they're handling the producer recruitment, and I believe it's fully prescribed. And uh, so, yeah, it just represents many potential con- conservation benefits, uh, particularly around the soil health, and and especially in this situation, um, the project's very keen on keeping living roots in the ground for many as many days of sunlight as possible.
0: Second one here had to do with uh, wildlife and habitat. Yeah,
1: exactly, and that was with Ducks Unlimited Canada. Uh, Ken Gross out of uh, Ducks Unlimited is uh, uh, works with Charlotte Crawley and some of their other staff, and, and they have a, a forage program that they uh, we kind of uh, repackaged and uh, um, are going to use the foundations for it. It's going to be uh, unique in a lot of uh, you know in a lot of ways. It's definitely more of a long term agreement with private landowners, um, but it targets both grain and cattle producers. So um, what we're hoping to do is to move, uh, restore um, 2,600 acres of grasslands and protect 400 acres of wetlands in in, uh, in, in watersheds that, uh, that DU is also interested in. So it's just a good fit for us. Again, it gives a chance for producers to kind of maybe take a step back and look at other options um, on some of the lands that, uh, that they're, you know, that might be, uh, applicable to this type of, uh, conservation work.
0: And the last one here, uh, that's in the same category as well.
1: Yeah, it's very close. It's, uh, this one's led by, uh, or we're working very closely with Brooks White at Borderland Agriculture. Uh, it's a really good, uh, kind of a smaller project to scale, but at the same point it's, uh, it's on, uh, Brooks's private land. So, um, and whereas the other, all the, the other two projects are mostly, um, kind of, you know, uh, something that uh, they would look to grow a crop. Brooks is actually uh, uh, kind of altering or improving um, his own property. So uh, he's really keen on be acting, uh, having the project act as a natural buffer between annual crops and uh, his uh, riparian zones. And uh, yeah, definitely it falls into the wildlife and watershed because uh, with the grass, I mean, it's, it's, can work towards carbon drawdown, but it's also um, going to be seeded to perennial forage for wildlife, livestock, and pollinators. So there should also be, um, you know, over time we will, as it establishes, um, some definitely some um, type of uh, mitigation through uh, water um, water movement, et cetera. Um, you know, it could act as a catchment or it could also be a buffer. So it's a very exciting project.
0: That was Duncan Morrison, Executive Director with the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Some farmers have been seeing cutworms in the fields. John Gavlosky is with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: We are starting to see both dingy cutworm, redback cutworm, and even some glassy cutworm in some of the fields. Uh, The first two I mentioned, redback and dingy cutworm, they're quite generalists in the way they feed. They feed on a lot of different crops. They both feed above ground, so if you do have them, they're easy enough to kill with insecticides.
0: Goloski says flea beetles are also popping up in canola. And potato planting is nearing completion in Manitoba. Dan Swatsky is manager of Keystone Potato Producers.
2: On the process side, we are basically finished. It's uh, been a little later than normal this year because of the cold, wet conditions. But we are seeing the very first fields planted, we're seeing a wee bit of emergence starting. We are behind, uh, I I would put it, uh, 7 to 10 days behind what we normally would be.
0: Swatsky says potato acres are down about 2,000 acres compared to last year due to market challenges created by COVID-19. That was a look at today's Farm News. I'm Corey Knut. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, June 1st. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with the CEO of the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity. The Canadian Centre for Food Integrity has launched a national campaign to connect consumers to Canada's food system. I got the details from President John Jameson. The
3: campaign is, is, well, it started during... Uh, the pandemic, it's really a long-term conversation with Canadians about the whole food system and everything from the people that provide supplies to the farmers, to the farmers, to the truckers, the wholesalers, and what we're hoping to do is is let Canadians know how robust our food system is and to use the stories of the people working in the food system to do that.
0: The campaign, is it is it based, uh, I guess, entirely online then, or...? Uh, right now, it's
3: it's, uh, it's online. There's uh, social media accounts uh, with Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And there's a website. Now, there is a plan later on that we would look at uh, possibly some uh, traditional media advertising through radio and television.
0: And, uh, John, if you could talk uh, just a bit more about the, uh, I guess, the three key objectives uh, that were listed here.
3: Yeah, so the, the three the three things that we, we hope to achieve is to begin a conversation uh, with Canadians uh, when when they have a particular interest in food. And we also want to help them understand the food system and how the supply chain works. Because I think most people understand that there's, you know, there's farmers and there's retail, but they may not realize that there's so many parts of the food system that work together to end up having and so that we can put food on the table of Canadians and people around the world. And then we also want to unite the food system because one of the things that, uh, the center for food integrity has that, that other organizations don't necessarily have is because we are a national group. So we speak right across Canada and our membership is, um, all different parts of the food system. So, We don't just represent farmers. We represent uh, um, processing companies, uh, 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 retailers, restaurants, you name it. So we're we're in a unique position that we speak on behalf of the whole food system and that we can work across the food system. But this is a way to really unite so that we have some common messaging around food availability, food safety and health, food affordability, and those types of things.
0: That was John Jameson, president of the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity. He was talking about a new campaign that's been launched to connect consumers to the Canadian food system. Saskatchewan is investing more than $8.3 million in water management infrastructure and programming. Glendalee Allen-Vosser are caught up to Greg Audenbright, the province's minister for the Water Security Agency. To begin with, set the stage for us. Talk to us uh, about these initiatives and really how important they are. You bet. Well, you know, uh,
4: the Water Security Agency is, uh, has been and continues to work, work with our agriculture community to to uh, help bo- booster boost our economy in uh, in the province. We know that agriculture is, of course, our, our foundation of economy in Saskatchewan. And uh, through this, uh, these funds we're talking about today are part of our stimulus package that uh, was released outside of our, our normal estimates that came out uh, earlier in the spring. So out of that uh, $2 billion investment the Premier announced uh, a couple short weeks ago, uh, a lot of these investments are, of course, important infrastructure investments for our province, for our economy, for agriculture. But also uh, not only to get people working again, but also to invest in important infrastructure projects in that are going to serve us not in the short term, but for for many years to come. So outside of the uh, the normal investments that we would have been making through WSA, you know, looking at expanding irrigation and supplying water for agriculture producers and making sure that's available for them, uh, these uh, these few investments—it's eight point three million dollars that'll be invested into six different water management projects. Two and a half million dollars is more for, uh, I guess, the uh, the recreational side of things with uh conveyance canal and pumping infrastructure at Pike Lake, which uh, many would know is just outside of Saskatoon. There's another two and a half million dollars for the installation of traveling screens to capture and remove aquatic weeds in the M1 canal, which is an important piece of agriculture infrastructure up in that area of the world. Uh, we know that uh, making sure that these canals are in good shape is very important. And t- in order to protect the wildlife or the fish life in uh, in the canal, we have to have these screens in place to protect them as we're, clearing the weeds out of these certain areas. So that's an important piece of maintenance, maintenance infrastructure for that, uh, that project. There's a million and a half to advance agriculture water management projects that deal with, excuse me, that deal with issues such as erosion control. Uh, there's a $600,000 for rural municipalities, conservation and development area authorities, and watershed associations to clear natural channels of channels of debris and sedimentation and general overgrowth, which again is um, again maintaining those waterways that support our agriculture. Uh, there's a half million dollars for municipalities to conduct flood mapping to support long-term mitigation, and also seven hundred and fifty thousand for upgrades to improved stop log handling systems for control structures at six different locations around the province. So that's kind of it in a, in a high level nutshell.
0: Why did you look at these ones in particular?
4: You know these are important projects that uh, outside of uh, people would see it are, are larger our are larger areas, excuse me. Uh, but they're also, projects that we can get out the door very quickly and get uh get people working get these uh projects completed quickly and get them uh get them operating and and it's again also very important infrastructure maintenance that and investments that need to be done regardless the uh you know the other things you've heard quite a bit in the news of lately uh with the with the uh upper capel irrigation district and you know some of the work that's been looked at up in the the west side irrigation district is things that we're continuing to look forward to, uh, you know, possibly advancing. We've uh, we've uh, committed to uh, in our last growth plan uh, an increase of at least eighty-five thousand acres of irrigable land in the province, and uh, we're looking at ways to to uh, definitely complete that to make sure we can fulfill that commitment, but also how we could go even farther to make sure we have, you know, more of that possible irrigable land in the province that will not only aid our agriculture producers in a larger area for many years to come but also possibly uh engage some of the value added industries that might be looking at uh different places to locate so if we can you know advance our agriculture increase our production maybe get into some of the more the table crops that these value added industries are looking at uh you know we know again that agriculture is our our foundation of the economy in Saskatchewan so we're looking at ways not only to diversify but also to continue to strengthen the agriculture industry here in the
0: province. I've been talking with Greg Ottenbright. Greg is the minister responsible for the Water Security Agency. For Golden West, I'm Glenda Lee allen Bossler. Thanks, Glenda Lee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to the Desk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee allen Vossler I'm Corey Canute Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Egg Wire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held every Tuesday starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. Keystone Agricultural Producers is partnering with the province to host a webinar entitled Cultivating Your Way to Burnout. The webinar takes place June 9th starting at noon. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available online. This is endorsed by the province and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit HunterCourse.com to register. And the 2020 Manitoba Sheep Association show and sale for this summer has been cancelled. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, reporter Connor Gerbrandt chatted with Tim Bartell of Bartell Honey Farms in Kleefeld to find out how the honey season is coming along so far
5: well basically the bees are building up and the smaller hives are coming along we made some splits and nukes and they shouldn't be working their way up the warmer weather has been really good for us and daddy Lands are out now So,
6: is this a good season for bees or, or I heard there was a little bit of a, of a struggle because of that warm and then the freeze we had earlier this season I heard that uh, some some bee populations had died has this been a, a tricky year up to this point or, or not?
5: not really, quite normal actually you always have those, some of those cold snaps and we had some small hives that we call a chill brood where the brood that the bees cats cover and keep warm gets cold and dies but other than that no, they, they, they warmed up right after that and they see coming along again.
6: One of my friends' dads was trying to get into hobby beekeeping this year and he said that there was, right. there seemed to be a, a bee shortage. Uh, have you heard of that?
5: The importing of bees got kind of shut down.
6: Oh, because of the virus? Yeah. Ah, are so you guys affected? We
5: brought, we, yeah, we brought in we, we usually import about 20 loads from New Zealand and Chile, and we probably brought, I think we brought in three out of the 20.
6: So how does that impact you guys? It impacts the guys who had ordered bees obviously, who want them to
5: recover from losses and stuff like that, but for us it's just a, a financial, it takes a bit of a hit and strike.
6: With only three three orders in rather than, than 20, is that going to significantly hit your uh, your honey production, or what does that look like for you?
5: Not ours because we don't we don't bring them in for ourselves. We bring them in for people across Canada. Our bees are, are wintered
6: throughout the year, so so we just we just build from the stock that we've always had. So for well-established businesses like your own, this isn't really too big of a hit. But for uh, for people hoping to get started, this might have been a, a difficult season to do so.
5: Yeah, a little more difficult and for people who had a hard hit through the winter, like some of them reorder, uh, rebuilt by with packages, so they get hit a bit hard. And, and yes, the guys who want to start up.
6: The season's looking optimistic as you look into the future now, or, or what are your thoughts?
5: It looks it's it's, it's looking pretty good right now. And the weather, would, we need full weather to uh, uh, this little rain we've got right now is doing okay. But when the dandelions are out, we like you know, good good flying weather and stuff like that, so the bees can collect the feed they need for building up.
6: Are there enough flowering plants out there already that that the bees are having enough uh, stuff to eat?
5: Oh yeah, we've got the blueberries, choke cherries, and uh, daylilies, and other hawthorns, and caraganas and all that. Yeah, there's there's lots of bushflowers out there right now.
0: That was Tim Bartell of Bartell Honey Farms in Kleefeld speaking with Golden West reporter Connor Gerbrandt. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba's potato farmers are feeling the effects of COVID-19. Keystone Potato Producers Manager Dan Swatsky says acres are down about 2,000 from last year.
2: certainly had a disruption in the marketplace with restaurants being shut down. So business was very uncertain. Processors here, one in particular, did shut down their processing facilities, laid off a number of people. So that disruption ended up having growers hold on to their product longer. With that happening, uh, the potential for deterioration in the bins was greater.
0: Swatsky says on the process side, planting is basically finished with some of the crops starting to emerge. And flea beetles are starting to show up in canola. John Gowalski is with Manitoba Agriculture.
1: The reports I've been getting on them vary. Some people saying they're moving in, they're feeding, but in some cases it's more concentrated around the edges and people are just sort of keeping an eye on things Uh, for the most part the seed treatments are doing their job and uh, protecting the plants and regardless even with the seed treatments you do get some feeding because they have to take some bites to ingest the chemical
0: gavlosky says cutworms have also been spotted in some fields i'll be back after this to wrap up today's program